Hello and welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm Emma Rose and for this show we're going to have the usual poetry roundup from Matt, uh, dispatches from Leeds and we're going to have Selena's book roundup later in the show. We'll also be joined by the band Dark Horses who are going to be here to talk about their new record and what they've been doing since they released the last one because it's been a while. But they've got this fantastic new album out and we're going to have a couple of tracks and we're going to be joined by Lisa and Annis from the band. Um, ahead of that, let's have a track. First up, we've got Hitchhiker's Guide to the Fallacy. Enjoy. Is hope included in this meal deal or... Nah, I didn't think so. The good stuff never is. You know when you forget what you were trying to say, well, it's like that but with everything, over time. And at least sometimes there's dancing. Time's just a construct but I think we'd be pretty fucked without it. Can barely get out of bed as it is. What's on your Christmas wish list? Ah mate, I don't really celebrate if I'm honest but I'll have a Guinness and a big bag of crisps if you're offering. And if you can get me from point A to point C, I'll, well, I don't really know. It's got to be better than this. Head out of the window in a solar eclipse. What's the longest you've ever held a biscuit in a tea without having to make a new one? Oh man, look how big that moon's gone. Mine's a kebab and a mango flavoured Rubicon. Uh, I've trailed off again, haven't I? It's a fallacy. It's all a fallacy. I'm the hitchhiker. And you're a galaxy. Take me away. Take me away. I'm the hitchhiker. And you're a galaxy. And yes, it is an unconventional way to travel. Do you even like this song? Yeah, honestly, you can say if you don't. Everything's ironic now, isn't it? Post, post, punk. No nuance in the news. Top ten things you might have missed. A hundred thousand views. Easter eggs revealed in seatbelt clips. It's exhausting. Do you think that counts as one of my five a day? How's that for a non-sequitur? Just here on the left, mate. Yeah, that's okay. I didn't exactly think this through. Never have. But look, how's everything with you? Fine, I guess. Not reading as many books as I used to. Nah, I don't want you. My attention span vanished after the second, uh, what do you call it? Don't panic. We'll all be fine in the end. The stars didn't align. The man holding open the door that closes the same one who cut in front of you in the line. You're a galaxy Take me away Take me away I'm the hitchhiker You're a galaxy
molten shell any minute. Help me, Armageddon. Help me, Armageddon. Help me to be calm. Help me, Armageddon. Help me, Armageddon. And I'll help you with your song. Oh. 
that was the wonderful Nabia Iqbal, who has finally brought some new music with her much-anticipated album, Dreamer. That was the first track that we've heard from it, and that was This World Couldn't See Us. Nabia's actually announced uh, that she's doing a gig at the ICA in London on Saturday the 13th of May, and I can see there are still some tickets, so I might well be going to that gig, and I'll hopefully see you there. Um... Before Nabir, we heard Sleeping Volcanoes by Cass McCombs and we heard Hitchhiker's Guide to the Fallacy. And now we're going to hear Matt's Poetry Roundup. Matt's not with us in the studio this time. He's up in Leeds, but he's been doing his usual amazing work in gathering a plethora, a full swathe of everything spoken word that's happening in England and abroad at the moment. And we're also going to hear a poem from Matt, so that's really exciting. Um, yeah, so I'll leave Matt to take over now. Here's Matt's Poetry Roundup. Hello, I'm Rachel Long, and I am going to read a poem for you from my debut collection, My Darling from the Lions, uh, which is published by Picado. It's called Apples. Last night, I missed my train by seconds, so close that one part of me did catch it and waved from the window to the other half, still panting on the platform, tits play-doing out of a shit bra. I couldn't sleep for an hour and a quarter, the exact time between the two slices of me reaching home in separate taxis, each driven by a brother who co-owned the firm. Today, I'm assuming the recovery position in my favorite outfit, a jumper with just knickers, the perfect hot-cold combo, like a bowl of baked crumble and ice cream. I am magazine educated, so I've known for a while now that my body is an apple. The supporting theory I bruise so easy, I worry it's leukemia. No, the doctor says again, it's just your dark skin. She recommends scar serum. When I was bored after service, mom still counting the connection and insisting on sweeping from altar to street, I'd sit in front of a pillar Playing with my brain Barbie, she was brown with tattoos and I made her have sex with a grown man in a toilet cubicle. I don't remember her face or her body, nor I named her. Something beginning with N. When the mum of my then best friend said her daughter wasn't allowed to play with me because I was another N-word, meaning mum went round in her dressing gown to slap her silly with her tongue, then returned to scatter the kitchen and shred dad's guardian for not sticking up for us, for never saying anything. After that, I had a sleep dream in which I grew a bright green face, Granny Smith-hued, high-polished. And even though I was green, I was the most beautiful woman in the world. 
I had the best hair and even did humanitarian work. I was interviewed about both things each night for TV. You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio, your monthly show for art, culture, books, poetry and activism. My name is Matt Abbott and this is my monthly roundup of poetry and spoken word. You might notice that my voice is a little bit gruff. I'm not in the studio this month because I'm trapped in primary school classrooms. If you won't let me leave, I love working with kids. I love bringing poetry to kids, but I do need to leave at some point. And my voice is going because I've shouted so many haikus over the last few days. Um, anyways, this is my roundup of events over the next month or so. So this Monday coming, if you are in the southwest, make sure you check out Raise the Bar at the station in Bristol. Uh, Raise the Bar always put on wonderful events, probably the best event organiser in the southwest for spoken word. And this Monday, it's RG Manuel Palai plus Open Mic at the station, as I say, in Bristol. RG is a fantastic poet who I've shouted out recently on this show. There are 15 open mic slots available. I dare say most of them are gone, but make sure you go along anyway, and it's pay as you feel, which you can't complain at, can you? Uh, Thursday, the 30th of March, so Thursday next week, you can see Tong Fu at Rich Mix in London. Tong Fu features uh, a live band on stage, plus poets, and the, the musicians interpret what the poets are saying. It's a really wonderful, phenomenal thing to see unfold before your eyes. And the guests at next week's Tung Fu event are Caroline Bird, Kareem Parkins-Brown and Jasmine Gardosi, which in its own right is a stunning lineup. Uh, tickets for that are £12. However, next Thursday, if you're up in the northwest, make sure you get to the ferry in Preston to see Tony Walsh. That's also £12. Tony Walsh is an outstanding poet and a lovely gentleman as well. So check that out of the ferret. That's actually um, part of a series of spoken word events at the ferret. I'm going to be doing one in a month or two as well. Uh, but for now, check out Tony Walsh next week at the ferret in Preston. Saturday the 1st of April, which is a week today. I can't get mad around that. A week from today, uh, in Huddersfield, as part of Huddersfield Lit Fest, you can see Linton Quasi Johnson of the Lawrence Batley Theatre. Tickets are £18 or £15 concession. And LKJ is simply one of the best poets of the 20th and 21st centuries. So get to Huddersfield Lit Fest a week from today if you want to see Linton. Thursday the 6th of April is Outspoken at the South Bank. But rather than a, a standard Outspoken event, this is the Outspoken Prize for Poetry Award Ceremony. So you'll see live performances from six shortlisted poets in each of the three categories. It's £12 for a ticket. I was lucky enough to be there last year because my wife Maria Ferguson was shortlisted for one of the awards and I had a wonderful time. So that's Thursday the 6th of April, the Outspoken Prize for Poetry at the South Bank Centre in London. Friday the 14th of April, if you are up in Scotland, make sure you see Loud Poets at the Scottish Storytelling Centre. Tickets are £10. There's no line-up announced yet, but they don't need to announce a line-up. If you like spoken word poetry, just get there. That's Friday the 14th of April, Loud Poets at the Scottish Storytelling Centre in Edinburgh. Wednesday the 19th of April, back down in London, Apples and Steaks present Jordans at Rich Mix in London. That is pay as you feel, as always. And this month's guests are Adjay Sun, Liv Talk and Eileen Bagbo. So make sure you see that. That is Jordans uh, at Rich Mix on Wednesday the 19th of April. And then I've got two events for you on Tuesday the 25th. So in Birmingham, you can see Verve Poetry Night at the Glee Club. Tickets are £6 and the lineup is Deanna Roger as headliner, Stefan Mohammed, Erica Gillingham and Maddie Langham Walsh. That's a quarterly night from Verve Poetry Press at the Glee Club in Birmingham. And also on Tuesday the 25th of April, 
uh, Nymphs and Thugs, which is my record label, we're starting a new series of intimate events called Snug Sessions in the Snug at Hyde Park Book Club. Our first guest is Stephen James Smith. Tickets are £8 or £6 concession, and that is Tuesday the 25th of April in Leeds. So now I'm just going to quickly spotlight a couple of new releases. Uh, first up, I want to speak about Ankita Saxena's Motherline, which is out on Verve on 20th of April. What do we inherit from our mothers, from our grandmothers, from the legacy of colonisation and empire? Motherline is Ankita's debut poetry collection. It charts lineage in all its forms, delving into female rage, compassion and endurance. Drawing on the author's British Asian heritage and experiences growing up as a woman in an increasingly violent world, this collection weaves together the personal and political in gazals, odes and specular poems, which hold a mirror to the world and to themselves. We are daughters of Kali, Saxena writes, and mothers linger on the sides, hearing us become them, our routines only theirs to thank for, our spices, our blends and even our greedy tongues. So that is Motherline by Ankita Saxena out on Verve on the 20th of April. A week later, Emma Jeremy is publishing Sad Thing Angry on Outspoken, so that's the 27th of April on Outspoken. Sad Thing Angry is an expression of the inexpressible, the fracturing of a relationship with living. In this unique and brilliant debut, Emma Jeremy finds new language to navigate a journey where guilt and hope, grief and isolation live side by side. In a voice that's both daring and one of a kind, these poems hold a quiet wisdom earned from knowledge delivered too early. This ambitious collection hums with complex feeling, bringing into question what being alive means when all you can think about is death. Uh, the penultimate collection that I'm going to plug is Rishi Dastidar. So this is out on the 27th of April as well, and it's called Neptune's Projects, and it's being published with Nine Archers Press. What do you do when you are a god? but powerless and unable to prevent one of your favourite species from their insatiable, accelerating death wish? Do you try to shout louder and more insistently, or instead reinvent yourself as a troubadour of romantic ruin, a barkeep, even a football manager? Such are the dilemmas posed by Rishi Dastadar in this third poetry collection, Neptune's Projects, a reshaping of mythology for the climate crisis era which gives bold consideration to the stark choices we face. So that is Rishi Dastadar, with Neptune's projects on Nine Archers Press on the 27th of April. And the final collection that I would like to shout out is by Geoffrey Philp, and it's called Archipelagos, and it's out now on PayPal Tree Press. So the first three collections that I spoke about, they're available for pre-order. This one is available now on PayPal Tree Press. Philp's powerful and elegant poems span past and present, and make it very clear that there cannot be a moral response to the climate crisis that is not also embedded in the struggle for social justice, for overcoming the, malign the malignancies of empire and colonialism and the power of global capitalism. So that's Geoffrey Philp with Archipelagos, which is out now on PayPal Tree Press. And that is my roundup from the world of poetry and spoken word this month. I'd just like to thank you for listening in to our show on Soho Radio. If you would like to check out any previous episodes of podcasts, you can find us wherever you usually listen to your podcasts. Uh, the poem that you heard at the start of this segment, just before this segment, was called Apples by Rachel Long. And now I'm going to close out with one of my own poems, which is called 22 Miles. Um, I wrote this poem five years ago as part of my show Two Little Ducks, and it breaks my heart how relevant it is still today. 
so this is one of my poems and it is called 22 Miles. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Just 22 miles. That's all it is. The sunlight bounces off the cliffs and because they're taller, they look closer from France. I listen to the waves lapping over breakfast. I have a croissant and a coffee, but I feel sick. I'm sure if you've traversed through continents and oceans, you're going to look across and think, I could swing that. The seagulls float gracefully in ravenous packs and my head's a toll shed from all the parallels and chasms. David Williams, 10 hours 34, Sport Relief. Eurostar, 1 hour, 29 quid. P&O Ferries, 90 minutes, 40 quid. Channel Tunnel, 35 minutes, 49 quid. A smuggler's dinghy. Through the dead of night, up to thirteen and a half thousand. Yesterday afternoon, I was sat playing cards with Ethiopians and Eritreans. The breeze picked up, so they invited me inside, into the home. And no word of a lie, right? No word of a lie. There was a Bradford City sleeping bag. Now, for those of you doing an internal shrug, there are 22 miles between their stadium and my home. It's the same between Leeds and York, between Newcastle and Hartlepool, Manchester and Blackburn, Birmingham and Leamington Spa, Northampton and Milton Keynes, Bristol and Newport, Oxford and Reading, Portsmouth and Bognor Regis, Exeter and Torquay, Rumford and Southend, Calais and Dover. They ask me, with wide eyes, if Bradford are a decent team. I haven't got the heart to tell the truth. I want to ask them all how they got here, how long it took and how they managed, but that kind of thing is either volunteered or locked away. They offer me a cigarette and I smoke it just to socialise. I give them some euros to buy some beers and I'm Father Christmas. There are people who've walked across deserts whose drivers were shot in the chest, whose dinghies were sinking and floated ashore, whose bodies were subjected to unspeakable acts. They burp with a beer and cheer with the cards for a while. It feels normal. The universal language of betting and banter, brotherhood forged in the belly of the beast, flags and out playful affiliations. The lad sat beside me, taps me on my knee. So I lean in and lend him my ear. He asks me very gently if I can justify why my country is leaving them here. His question somehow silences the room. Playing cards strips suddenly of worth. He's not asking me as a journalist or a lawyer. Just a fellow human being on this earth. I feel sick again with shards of sunlight piercing through the roof. They ask me if they're likely to be welcomed in by law.
I haven't got the heart to tell the truth. Self-reflection. You were great, you were good, you're a king, you're a queen, you're a genius. You were great, you were good, you're a king, you're a queen, you're a genius. You were great, you were good, you're a king, you're a queen, you're a genius. 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 I've been lacking motivation. I need an innovation. I've been lacking motivation. I need an innovation. I've been lacking motivation. I need an innovation. I've been lacking motivation. Lacking motivation. With my therapist, I was telling him about situations I always end up in. How I act impulsively. How things seem to happen to me. I was saying, poor me, sorry me, sorry sir. He said, Tyron, you just gotta learn to breathe. Imagine you're on a staircase and each step you take is a step down from being up that level. He said, breathe, breathe, breathe. The funny thing is it just pissed me off more. <laughs> what am I paying for? <laughs> yeah. Work so hard, I deserve to not give a fuck. Feel so good getting hit while I see you fuck. I'm a nut, anybody wanna get a nut? You a slut, me too, where you wanna fuck? I go deep like I'm digging in a coal mine. She came first and then she said it's your time. Funny cause I couldn't come. Thinking I'm actually still young. Not the same when she snorted powder. She said, baby, wanna go in the shower. How can I refuse? Got a couple loose screws. I won't stop till I'm in the coma. I took a blue pill and I lost composure. <laughs> fuck you. Don't say nobody's watching. More coke, more weed, more ease, more trip, more eat, more sex, less stress, head jet. Where you wanna be my empress? More bass, more race, more shades. What? We tryna save face? More alcohol, we ain't going home till we broke and we catch us.
I need you to breathe. And that was the ever colourful slow tie with Yum from his new album, Ugly, that seems to be getting a lot of critical acclaim. I think people were a bit cross with slow tie a while ago, but they seem to have forgiven him. And um, so he's back with this new album and people are quite excited about it. I think he kind of went off and just kind of did it quite quietly and then came back kind of shinier, newer version. But it's fantastic. I think it's good. It's really edgy. And, you know, in a world that sometimes seems increasingly beige, it's great to have somebody who isn't afraid to find their edge. And I think Slow Tie is very good at finding his edge. Um, here's some more people that are very good at finding their edge. This is the Wu Tang Clan with Protect Your Neck. Yo, what's up, man? Cooling, man. Chilling, chilling. Yo, you know I had to call. You know why, right? Why? Because, yo, I never, ever called and asked you to play something, right? Yeah. You know what I want to hear, right? What you want to hear? I want to hear that Wu Tang joint. Wu Tang again? Uh, yeah, again and again. <laughs> Smoking Joe Fraser, the Hellraiser, raising hell with the flavor. Terrorize the jam like troops in Pakistan. Swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider-Man. So all tick tock and keep ticking. Well, I get you flipping off the shit I'm kicking. The Lone Ranger, cold wet danger. Deep in the dark with the art to rip the charts apart. The vandal, too hot to handle your battle. You're saying goodbye like Devin Campbell. What neck? Inspector Dex on the set. The rebel, I make more noise than heavy metal. The way I make the crowd go wild. Sit back, relax, won't smile. Ray got it going on, pal. Call me the rap assassinator. Rhymes rugged and built like Schwarzenegger. And I'ma get mad deep like a threat. Blow up your project, then take all your assets. Cause I came to shake the frame in half with the thoughts that bomb. Shit like math. So if you wanna try to flip, yo, flip on the next man. Cause I'll grab the clip and hit you with 16 shots and more. I got going to war with the melting pot. It's the method man for short, Mr. Map. Move it on your left. Ah, and set it off. Get it off. Let it off like a gat. I wanna break food. Cop me back. Small change. They putting chain in the game. I take game and blow the nigga out the frame. And like bang, my fella live forever. Niggas crossing over like they don't know no better. But I do. True, can I get a soul? Enough respect due to the one six ooh. I mean, oh, yo, check out the flow like the Hudson on PCP. When I'm dusting, niggas off because I'm hot like sauce. The smoke from the lyrical blood make me. Uh, oh, grab my nut, get screwed. Ow. Here comes my Shaolin style. True, B A B B Y U to my crew with the. Straight up and down, that shit at 
cam, you can't slam. Don't let me get fooled on the man. The old dirty bastard is dirty and sticking. They saw unique rolling with the night of the creeps. Niggas be rolling when the stars ain't saying gas. Bite my style, I'll bite your book. So book me. Not long is how long that this rhyme took me. Ejected styles from my lethal weapon. My pen that rocks from here to Oregon. Here's more again. Catch it like a psycho flashback. I love gats. Rap was a gun. You wouldn't bust back. I come with all types of shapes and sounds. And where I lounge is my stomping grounds. I give an order to my peeps across the water to go and snatch up props all around the border and get far like a shooting star. The shoe I'm all is never on the life of Pablo Escobar. Point blank as I kick the square bits. See that, feeling mad hostile, ran out postal, going like Christ when I speak the gospel, stole with the holy roll, then attack the globe with the buckets, style the ruckus, ten times ten men committing mad sin, turn the other cheek and I'll break your chin, slain boom bangs like African drugs, coming around the mountain when I come, crazy flamboyant for the rap enjoyment, my clan increased like black unemployment, yeah, another one dare, took, took a genius, take us the for these co-killer labels so ain't had hits since i seen aunt mabel be doing all the sin like kane did able now they money's getting stuck to the gum under the table that's what you get when you misuse what i invent your empire falls and you lose every cent but trying to blow up a scrub now that thought is just as right as a 20 watt light bulb should have popped it when i rocked it niggas so stingy they got short arms and deep pockets this goes on in some companies with majors that scared to death to pump these First of all, who's your A&R? A mountain climber who plays an electric guitar. But he don't know the meaning of dope when he's looking for a super tie rap that's cleaner than a boss soap. And I'm the dirtiest thing in sight. Matter of fact, bring out the girls and let's have a mud fight. The best of tech in that. The best of tech in that. The best of tech in Search to find the love within
And that was Bobby Caldwell with What You Won't Do For Love. Unfortunately, we lost Bobby this month, but that song, what a legacy. What a beautiful, beautiful track. And um, now we're going to hear Elliot Smith with Angelis. i 
That was the lovely Elliot Smith's Angelis. And this month I have been back in the swing of things. I kind of I was do working on my secret archive project, which I will inform you all about later down the line, uh in January and February. But this month I've been back in the saddle doing my usual reporting, arts journalism, whizzing around the place, which I usually do. Um where I was yesterday was this it's wonderful, wonderful house. It's just outside Lewes in Furl. And you may have heard of it. I know they did a collaboration with Dior, um, which I think helped get some funds into the house. But basically, um, if you're aware of the Bloomsbury group, the it's a kind of multidisciplinary group of writers and uh, artists and they were all lived in Bloomsbury. They were famously kind of polyamorous and lived in this very particular way in the just at the turn of the century. And um, it included Virginia Woolf, the artist Vanessa Bell, Duncan Grant, Clive Bell. It, with this kind of, and they existed throughout the kind of First and Second World War. And I think during the First World War, they found this house and they moved into it, they rented it. And they decorated it and um, throughout their lives they continued to live there. And I think the Duncan Grant passed away in the 70s and I think he still lived there. And that each of them kind of had quarters at different times. And there's an Arc Duncan Grant studio, it's Vanessa Bell's studio. It's full of portraits of you know Virginia Woolf and Duncan Grant and Vanessa Bell and their children and... It's a real, they were really a unique group of people living, especially at that time, in a completely unique way. And the Charleston is seen as a kind of, the Charleston Trust is seen, I guess they seen as it's like an important part of queer history and an important part of um, art history and literary history. It's a real kind of intersectional hub of creativity. And it's just beautiful to spend time in the house. They've each painted rooms for each other and decorated everything there's not one part of the house which doesn't have a mark or 
a kind of a letter or a, something pinned to a wall or a painting hanging that doesn't evoke some part of the history of this group of people. It's a really beautiful and well-preserved place. They also have exhibition space and the exhibitions that are on there at the moment are Betty and George Woodman, which were a couple, and they lived in quite a, quite a similar way. They um, they bought a very falling down Tuscan house, their American couple, and they lived and worked there, and they did it up over time, it, and it became like a very beautiful kind of place. But I think when they first bought it, it was a kind of wreck, and they kind of made it something. And this is kind of in the... They they met in the in nineteen fifty nine nineteen sixty and then they were married for sixty years, and there's a beautiful film kind of of Betty Woodman who her work uses ceramics. She would make a vase and pin it to the wall, and then she'd put loads of flowers and pick them from the garden and then put them into this vase that hung on the wall every day or every time they need refreshing. It's kind of very, very creative, art as life, life as art kind of existence. It's kind of very in keeping with the Bloomsbury Group. And um, so there's a really lovely joint show of their work. Betty's work is ceramics and multimedia, so it will kind of be mixed media, sorry. And it'll, so it will have like a, a, a painting and then there maybe will be a ceramic attached to it, a shelf, a, a kind of vase or pot or just a, a creation that she's made in clay and it, it's kind of very experimental and kind of beautiful. And her husband, George, did a lot with painting, but he also worked in some ways with 3D, like making these amazing screens and things like that. It's really beautiful, very kind of something very therapeutic, even about looking at some things that people have made with their hands and made with clay. There's something quite kind of intuitive about it. It's very beautiful. And it's twinned with an exhibition by Hilton Nell, who's a South African artist, who works with plates and each plate is uniquely made, made with, with his hands and then decorated and painted with his experiences of the day. Very, very beautiful. It's it's hard to describe them. It's, they're kind of very rewarding and intimate to look at. They're, they're, some very, they're all incredibly different and they've been made over a lifetime. And it's, again, it's just this real wonderful thing in our kind of hyper-fast digital age to really slow down and look at something that someone's made painstakingly with their hands in a way that you can really see and feel. And so um, I that was my art roundup. I saw that yesterday. I, as you can probably tell, I really enjoyed it. And I highly recommend getting out to lose. It takes an hour from London, from Victoria. And it's a lovely day out. So, uh, yes, do go and have a look at the Charleston Trust. It, you won't regret it. That's one thing I know. Um, next up, we have Some Kind of Love by the Velvet Underground. Situations arise because of the weather. 
French novel Combines the absurd with the vulgar And some kinds of love The possibilities are endless And for me to miss one Would seem to be groundless Just a bad dream. I hope it's not. 
Sebastian with She's Losing It and before that we heard Sad Dream by Sky Ferreira we heard Cass McCombs earlier in the show, this was actually a song I think jointly written with Cass McCombs so we have two Cass McCombs tracks in one show but I thought it was fine to do that because they're sung by different people but I think that's such an interesting song just the melody is so kind of unexpected 
and wandering. And I kind of love that. I love that about his music, the way it kind of wanders. The vocal melody seems to just wander across the guitars. It's really beautiful. Next up, we're going to hear some Machine Murphy. And then, very excitingly, we're going to have Dark Horses in the studio with us. So, um, but here's Machine Murphy with her new song, Kukul. And then we're going to hear from wonderful Lisa and Anis from Dark Horses. Sweet, 
20s radio on Soho Radio. That was Silver Apples with Love Fingers, a track selected by the wonderful Lisa from Dark Horses, who joins me in the studio now with Annis. Welcome, Lisa and Annis. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you. I realise I've abbreviated Anastasia's name there without asking her. That's how she wants to be formally introduced. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Wonderful. <laughs> what is it about that track that you love so much? Uh, I'm going to answer that first. I think it so it reminds me a little bit of the Monks. I don't know if anyone knows them, 
but they were um, a group of American ex-military chaps who met in in Germany when they were out there and then they started a band and they committed to starting the band and being the band by shaving ball patches on their heads like monks and I thought, you know what, that's that's proper commitment. <laughs> um, but the kind of harmonies and the vocals, the way the work, vocals work sort of reminded me of that um, and I, I love them and that led, led me into connecting with Silver Apples and I think what I really enjoy is this mix between naive folk music and avant-garde electronica so I just that's just exciting for me it's just it doesn't you don't expect those sounds together but somehow it works and you can play it to kids and old people and everyone kind of likes it but if you were to pick it apart in terms of what it's made of it might sound a bit odd as a description but somehow they make it brilliant and it doesn't stop feeling avant-garde maybe that's something about the beauty of folk that's true, it's sort of ageless. Yeah, it yeah. always feels like countercultural. It never seems to lose that. Yeah. And um, But we're here to talk about your new record while we were sleeping. It's your third record? It is, yeah. It is. And um, it's made over a, a long... I mean, obviously, there's the big hiatus of lockdown. It was made over a few years... And it's a slight departure in sound, but not a complete departure in sound. It feels like a progression. Uh, It's a wonderful record. We're going to hear more from it in a little bit. But could you tell me, what was it like making this record? I'll let you tell your side of it in a minute, Annis, as well. But for me, um, there's a very unusual position that, you know, usually if you make an album, you have a period where you've completed the album, you deliver it, and then it goes out to the team to kind of make sure it gets out in production and distribution, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a period that you have between finishing something and then revisiting it to perform it. This period has been extended quite considerably. And, you know, there are pros and cons with that. I think the the biggest pro from my perspective is that we get to hear our album a bit like we are fans of the record rather than that we made it. So we have the distance from it and can listen to it objectively somehow um, and and kind of fall in love with it again and find favourite tracks that maybe weren't at the time because the complicated time signature you had to get your head round or, you know, a piece of guitar you were like oh I wish I'd done that differently or I should have used a different pedal or you know that kind of control freak element of making any completed piece of work so um yeah I I think it's actually really good to have a proper break even though at times it felt like it would never happen and you didn't want it sitting on a hard drive somewhere you wanted it out in the world yeah it was so frustrating to think it's just it's there it's done it's been done for ages um but yeah I mean you know Life's like that, isn't it? Sometimes you've got to wait and often looking back, it all makes sense in hindsight that things take a bit of a bit of baking time, should we yeah. say. Um, and I think, yeah, from my perspective, having that time frame and revisiting it now with fresh ears means that also what we bring as performers is, is a kind of excitement and, and a freshness and a hunger for what we're doing in a way that we wouldn't have if we hadn't had a break from it. What about you, Anastasia? Any thoughts? Yeah, I guess I'm more um, surprised about the fact that I can connect with the album in a completely new way after all these years. Um, 
it surpri- always surprised me the way songs have their own identity and sometimes you have to respect them, even if you think you're composing them, but you're actually you're just a channel where they come through and they just present themselves to the public. So it's, it's great that we're able to deliver this album and hopefully, you know, people will like it. And, like, do the things that inspired you to write the songs and to make the music, do they still, do you still feel a channel for those things now or has it changed? And um, when you write a song, I find you tend to be right. Everything as a as a lyric writer, everything essentially is personal, right? Because it has to come through you. And most writers will probably say that it's very hard to kind of make something completely detached from yourself because you are the conduit. The longer you have between writing it and then reflecting back on what you've written, the more you realise, oh, I was predicting my own future almost mm. and it's not literal but there are themes in there that at the time I wasn't conscious of what that meant but now I can see why they came about um, it's a collective consciousness a zeitgeist that we all respond to but at the time we're not always sure why and how and it's that you know heady mix of you know, experience and culture and history politics everything just our surroundings you know life you very much that type of person that you're very tapped into what's happening now you're kind of very aware you read a lot you listen to a lot of things you listen to a lot of music you go out a lot like you very much take stuff in yeah sometimes <laughs> <laughs> we have time sure <laughs> Imagine our life like being parties and like <laughs> social life all the time. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. I think we read a lot and we we kind of trying to explore new themes all the time. So it's kind of at the beginning I thought we were tapping into our own consciousness, but now it feels almost like it's a collective consciousness what we're trying to uh express here. But I don't know, maybe it sounds a little bit arrogant to say this. <laughs> No, I think it's lovely. It's like, um, what's it, the micellular network where everyone, we're all connected. We're all connected. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. And um, let, we'll come back and we'll talk some more after the song. But now I'm going to play Hyper Green by Dark Horses. And do you want to tell us a little bit about this song? Uh, so David, the guitar David, uh, started this track with a, a little acoustic riff and I think he called it Indian psych, you know, that was what he had in his head. Uh, and then it evolved and, you know, I got my hands on a tambourine and the rest is history. No, <laughs> it's, very, it's quite a jangly tune um, and it's full of guitars. There's a lot of, a lot of layers of guitars in this. Um, it's another one for me that at the time I was really pleased we found a way for it to go, but I didn't really appreciate it. And now I, I think it's one of my favourite on the album, but at the time I probably wouldn't have said that. How about you, Anis? What do you remember about making it? Mm, I remember I wasn't feeling really happy about the song <laughs> because I thought it was too hypnotic and at that time it felt really wrong to play that riff over and over. But now it's uh, it gives me this feeling of a vision of being super green and hyper green and everything super bright and coloured. So I feel I'm into these colours every time I play this, even though, yeah, it became hypnotic, but it's actually part of being also in this kind of bigger canvas for me. Right, wonderful. Let's hear hyper green. Welcome to Paradise 
back. I'm Emma Rose. This is Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm joined by Dark Horses, two of Dark Horses. That was Hyper Green. That's a wonderful song. Tell me a bit about that. Well, I mean, you've told us a little bit about the song, but now I want to know more. I feel like <laughs> your sound has evolved in some ways. Like, I feel like, what, what would you say has changed in your sound? I feel like there's something... I'm going to point directly at you, Anastasia Zio, because you are part of that new sound. So this is the first album you've done with us. Uh, You've been with Dark Horses a long time, but the first one you've recorded on. And I think David as well on on lead guitar. So having those two amazing, talented musicians as part of this and bringing their energy and ideas and creativity is just, that's yeah, that's the biggest thing I can point to, really. Yeah, I think the biggest uh, difference is on the production is Bob also coming along and creating his own, uh, is bringing also his vision into what we we were doing. At that point, I mean, (laughs) it was four years ago, we were just rehearsing all the time and trying to give sense, make a sense to what we were doing. But um, I think what we were aiming to was freedom of just playing whatever we wanted to play more than trying to write the hit for uh, the radio show or trying to go into or fit into a certain type of music. We just decided to be completely free, white canvas and write whatever we wanted. That's how I feel I can describe this album. And do you feel like the writing process was different this time with these different musicians? Because the writing, do you, songs often start with you, I would say, right? Well, yes and no. And I'd say uh, probably, it, you know, it's a fairly even mix in a way. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of how it's ended up really with this album. I think different people bring different in the initial ideas. And the the best thing about being in the group is that everybody has a slightly different way of approaching a piece of music. Um, and I enjoy, as a songwriter, responding to different things. So I'm... Um, I'm first and foremost a collaborative artist, so I don't make a lot on my own in my room. I make things in response to stuff that people send me and share, and then I have something to bounce off and take it, you know, further. So is that the opposite of what I said? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess just that it's, um, it's very collaborative and... I think the difference, apart from obviously the musicians, is that sense of freedom that we gave each other. But, you know, when you make a record, in order to kind of have the inspiration and the desire to actually put 
your attention to finishing something, you got to be excited about it. And it has to feel like something has to come out of you rather than a chore or a challenge. You know, yeah, there are tough times within making anything where you wonder what the hell you're doing and maybe it's all nonsense. But um, you still have to go through those walls of insecurity and come out the other end yeah. um, and being accepting and sort of open-hearted about our approach to each other meant that I think we've created something that was very instinctive and again like you say mentioning Bob having him there to kind of hold the frame for it um, he's technically a very clever and he builds modular synths he teaches synthesis he's got a great historical understanding of, of music in general um, and he's a drummer too so there's there's an element of that that will always be imprinted, I think. Um, but yeah, it's the mix that's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I think that kind of insecurity is like a real privilege of creative work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just imagine you never had to answer any of those questions for yourself. <laughs> I like how you framed that. <laughs> I'm going to go with that one. Thank you. Um, and then uh, I was wondered, like, as I said, you know, you're kind of, you're very interested people you're quite engaged and what what have you been doing lately have you seen anything that's really inspired you have you read anything uh i saw a performance at the royal court of sounds the underground um sort of um smorgasbord of drag artist in london club culture um you know playing with various notions of of gender and communication, clowning, performance, comedy, um, yeah, striptease. I mean, it has everything. And for me, as much as I realise it's the kind of the top, the, the kind of uh, selected few that have been part of that performance, so there's a lot more behind it that they bring. Um, and some some of those artists I've seen, performers I've seen in other places. But it, it was such, I felt so proud of of British performance culture and drag as a, as a you know, as a, as a medium, if you will, as, as a craft. Yeah. Because um, it covers everything. I mean, everything. And there's not, there's not many things that do that in that way. It was, no. It was a dance show, it was a comedy show, it was a strip show. That sounds you know, really fun. It was a, a, a fashion show, it was everything. And all um, in this kind of, the, you know, like classical theatre environment. Yeah, and the music's brilliant. So you go into the Royal Court and they're playing like deep house records, you know. <laughs> and the audience were as fabulous as the people on stage in terms oh, of outfits. Oh sounds great. Anastasia, what about you? Um, well, I didn't go out very often lately, but... Um, I think I was more into books um, for the past three years. I've been reading a lot. And um, there's this book that really, um, I found it really interesting. It's uh, about um, a woman. Um, she's called The Mother. And um, it's called The Div Divine Materialism. Sorry, my accent. Um but uh, it's about death and life and the way we cope with all this. And she just gives different perspectives to to see at the different habits of our uh, daily habits in our daily life. Um, 
I would say it's written in such a consciousness that you can absorb the book more than thinking about what she's saying. And in a way, she just becomes part of you and your consciousness. I can't really describe it differently. Sorry. It's really interesting. Is it like almost like a guide or is it like... Yeah, she's a girl, definitely. It's from the last century. It's an old book. And it's how these things can kind of translate to modern times sometimes things from years ago like you know the pillow book and things like that um uh, from Chinese history these things from years and centuries and millennia ago can make so much sense now it's crazy sometimes also that it can make more sense now than it did then I feel like sometimes absolutely it will be like something that's kind of discovered that didn't really do much at the time and then you read it hundreds of years later and there it's kind of beauty again like of creative work (laughs) it reaches across time absolutely and we've got another track from the album um i was going to play lucy and gulliver why did you choose this one to play um oh it's a bit of a beast this track and i this is one i started with on piano and vocal i think um and it's it's a to all intents and purposes, a bit of a blues number, I suppose, um, in terms of chords and things. Uh, but I write it from a feminine, about a woman. Um, and I wanted to bring something about female sexuality seen through a man's perspective or male perspective and how it can be considered sort of dangerous. So there's an idea of being really confident or free in that energy, taking what you want, etc. That can seem quite uh, scary to some people. Um, and for some reason, it reminded me of some of the girls I went to school with, who at young age seemed to really confident beyond their years. And I remember finding that kind of myself a bit un- hard to know what to do with or... You know, it, it's a it's a murky world of feminine sexuality and how it's been bent and and you know manipulated in in a modern culture and consumerism. So it's really hard to to see it without various filters that are quite damaging. I think, um, but yeah, it's it's a fable of sorts, um, and that musically. Uh, it kind of falls apart and then rebuilds itself with some brilliant saxophone that Bobby played on it. Um, and I love tracks that, you know, at, you start one end and by the time you come out the other end, you're not really sure where you began. <laughs> and that was the case for us from recording it was, uh, you know, we just, I think we did it, what, two or three days in and so we were sort of embedded in the studio a bit and then we went, we went for it. What do you remember about it, Anastasia? Oh, okay. I got really vague memories of this song because it was very hard to play. But I remember I was conceiving it as a blues at the beginning. I thought, oh, this is a nice blues song. And then it just became something like coming out straight from a Lynchian movie or something. And then we ended up running on this car into this endless road. Um, that's what I can remember. I don't think I can add more than this about Lucy and Gulliver. All right, let's hear it. Lucy, she was pretty. A friend
really didn't know it was going to end there. I mean, obviously that's not the first time I've heard it. I had pre- preview, preview access, but that's amazing. How did it get there? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I think it's probably called having synthesizers and lots of them and wanting to play them all. 
and plugging them all in and just going, let's just keep going with that noise. Changing the time signature and, and then wanting to kind of go off in that. One thing I wanted to ask you, which might be completely kind of a misstep, but let me know if it is, is that in the time between you've made the album and you've released the album, there have been some, maybe hopefully not just hot air, but a lot of progress and talk about music and women and representation on all fronts you're a very international band uh british band but kind of like a london band i would say in the way that you're from so many different places and it's like do you feel that that conversation has moved on since you made the record and does it make you feel any different as a female musician it's a good question isn't it um it's it's on its way, definitely, and I think I think collectively as socially we because we've gone through something together that's you know really been difficult for a lot of people. There's a new focus on what really matters, on what's important in life, um, and, and on some days I feel like we really have learned something, and it's a positive. Obviously, it's you know left a a lot of um, destruction its wake and loss etc but if we can recover and be you know be kinder and more respectful of our differences etc um and you know health mental health well-being all that kind of stuff then that's that's so positive and then other days I think no we haven't learned anything what the hell was that about uh (laughs) but in terms of what it's like for women in in music um there's definitely more out there i'm um i think we've still got a long way to go when it comes to uh, engineering production yeah the technical side of things and that's to do with education and finding examples of that that you can aspire to around you um there's a certain geeky mentality to a lot of musicianship and I think that being a geek, whatever gender, is is much more okay now than maybe it, it was once. Um, maybe that's not true, but that's how I see it. I yeah. used to feel I had to kind of disguise that side of me and now I'm not at all. <laughs> I'm an absolute geek, which is a brilliant thing. Um yeah, I don't know whether, Anna, you've got any thoughts on... No? Um, well, I think it's more... I mean, personally, for me, it's more uh, the way I changed through time and through music. Um, clearly, being a woman in music, it makes you realise how much we still have to do and there's a long way through, you know... Uh, being recognized and having the same pay and all these kind of things. But sometimes I felt through the past years that um, because we had such an emergency situation going on, maybe this kind of topics went a little bit under the carpet for a while. Um, I think music, you know, it's great. It's a great tool because it just connects everyone. So... That sort of kept us going as well. I mean, you were in lockdown largely in Italy, and so you had an Italian experience of the pandemic, which is different to the UK experience. Mm. 
And we, you know, music stretched across that divide for us, even if it was just digitally, you know. Um, uh, So, yeah, I think it's different for everybody. But, um, yeah, we continue to be hopeful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, hope is good. And I think not forgetting is good and remembering to kind of be like, not let it slide backwards as a woman in journalism and I do feel the same yeah you have some funny chats but sometimes but it's lovely just when you just can forget about it and not think about it at all yes yeah um you've chosen another track for us to play uh this is Noi Hello Gallo why do you love Noi why do we love Noi? Well, you asked um, for songs that united us as a group. Yeah. And that's quite hard to answer because we all love different kinds of music and there are a few tracks that we all kind of connect with. And I remember playing this and the Silver Apples before we go on stage because it's one of those hypnotic um, tunes that you can... It's very long, you can get into it and it helps you sort of shift your mood ready to go on stage so it's a bit of a signifier for us as a sort of free performative um, zone switcher. <laughs> yeah, it was always in the in our backstage. Yeah, playing all the time, especially when we went we were touring Germany. Yeah, that was like okay, we play this, and we were really happy about it. <laughs> Speaking of playing live, you've got um, you're supporting the Ravenettes on the tenth of May at Islington Academy. Yes, can't wait. Yeah. Danish crew, big fans, so it'd be great to, to open for them. And then before that, you are playing the Hope and Ruin in Brighton uh, on April 15th. Yes. And if people want to find tickets, they can go to Dark Horses Music on Instagram. They can go to darkhorsesmusic.com uh, or they can go to Dark Horses Music <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dark Horses music. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you can get, I think, just Dice for the for the Brighton show. And that's through Love Thy Neighbour promoter in, in our um, most of our hometown. So three three members live in Brighton. Um, and we're really excited about playing there. We are going to be collaborating, collaborating with um, a chap called James who creates interactive visual artwork, which will be responding live to voice and rhythm so we don't know what it's going to look like that's crazy it'll just be a reaction to what we play on the day so that'll be fun it's a self-generating ai isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um so yeah getting involving technology and visual work is really important big part of what we like to do so i'm really lucky that he wants to come and be part of it that's fantastic and it's the first time that we're going to be playing the whole album uh so hopefully we can remember it all (laughs) if not just kind of wing it yeah (laughs) get the saxophone out yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right wonderful here's hello gallo by noi
Welcome back. That was Noi. Um, and uh, we're here with Dark Horses Music. We're going to leave us now. But first of all, we wanted to mention, or they wanted to mention rather, uh, their extended collective of the band. Like, it's the band doesn't have limits. It's a limitless band. Yeah, the, this is like an incredible thought, <laughs> an incredible vision. To an have. infinite <laughs> pool of creativity that just keeps running and running in all directions at all times. <laughs> yes, please. That's the idea. But we've been collaborating um, with an artist, with a collective of artists um, in Berlin, in Berlin, and um, they've been doing all our visuals and our new videos. Plus, our new video maker lives in Essaouira, in Morocco, and it also has new different connections. So I think the new album will will have this in in our music, probably or possibly, <laughs> hopefully, if we're lucky. <laughs> and that side of the band can be explored on your Instagram and on darkhorsesmusic.com, doesn't it? You've got all your amazing films and creative and all the whole visual side of the band, which is a, a, a wonder to behold and I encourage listeners to go and have a look at everything these guys make on top of the music which is really interesting Thank you very much Thank you. Alright, thanks for joining us Thank you Alright, now we are going to go to Selena Godden who has brought us her book roundup which has the usual what Selena's been listening to and loving to read this month as well as a recording which has been sent in to her especially, exclusively, for Roaring Twenties. So here we go over to Selena. Hello, this is Selena, and I'm speaking to you from my writing room. I'm sorry not to be there in person this month, but I've got a deadline, and the worst thing I can do when I've got a deadline is go anywhere near my friends and the lovely, lovely Soho radio people and the lovely, lovely Soho pubs and bars. So I'm hiding at home finishing a new novel um, and uh, I've got a deadline looming. So I'm here talking to you from my writing room at home. Um, I hope you've been enjoying the show and hello to you, Rose, and hello, Matt, and hello to the Dark Horses. I've been having the most fantastic time of it, honestly. Um, I just want to say thank you to Rough Trade Books. We've now launched Pessimism is for Lightweights, um, 30 pieces of courage and resistance and that book is now available everywhere. You'll find signed copies if you go to Foils or if you go to Rough Trade East and other bookshops um, like Newham Bookshops and um, and bookshops down in Hastings too. I've been getting about signing books. And uh, yeah, thank you to everyone that came to the little launch party and the gathering for International Women's Day a couple of weeks ago of Foils Bookshop on Charing Cross Road. It was really quite a buzz actually to uh to perform again and to get on stage again um it's really been like a long winter of writing um and to get out there and see people it was so exciting i also had an amazing gig this week um to support the choose love charity um literature literature beyond borders hosted by elif shafak it was a fundraiser for the earthquake survivors in syria and turkey and I was there alongside such amazing writers like Ben Okri and Caleb Azuma Nelson, David Badiel, David Nichols, David Mitchell, um, Hassan Akkad, Louise Doherty, Monica Annie, Nadifa Mohammed, Philippe Sands, 
um, Sarah Waters, Satham Sangira, Tracy Chevalier and Yasmin Khan. And I just want to give a big shout out to everyone that was there, everyone that was reading um, up there on stage, everyone was there in spirit. And you can still continue to donate if you can, if you've got any spare money or you want to know more about the campaign, please go to chooselove.com and everything's there. They really, really need our help in Syria and Turkey. Um, yeah, if you can. Um, it was it was such a moving, moving gig um, with people reading testimonials from survivors and from people that, that, that really are having the hardest and most difficult time. So this uh, month, I'm going to talk you through some beautiful and amazing books that have been sent. So if you can imagine me, I'm here in my writing room, I'm surrounded by piles and piles of books with my deadline looming over my head and a big mug of tea. And, uh, and I just want to talk to you about some of the books that I've been reading or some books that I'm excited about or some books that I'm about to read. And uh, here's a little look in my post bag. Maybe we could call this Selena's post bag. If we had a little uh, musical ident, it might sound like that. Okay, so the first thing I want to tell you about is Cofferdam. Now, Cofferdam is, has been made. It's hand-stitched, hand-embossed, and made by um, Tangerine Books. And it's just so beautiful. I, um, I just read it in one sitting. It's got amazing work in it from Benjamin Myers, who, of course, is a, fant a fantastic writer, writer and uh, so many others like Billy Childish and Tim Wells, who's a regular on our show, and Fred Voss. Um, and it's put together by Michael Curran of Tangerine Press. If you go to Tangerine Press, I think it's tangerinepress.com, um, you can check out and see if you can get some of the last copies. Um, they're limited edition. It's super beautiful. It's like a coffee-coloured cover with a purple um, end paper and then hand-embossed and hand-stitched. So look out for that. What's next on my pile? Oh, here we have Henry Normal. Henry Normal is a wonderful poet. And here is um, his latest collection. It's called The Fire Hills. Um, Henry Normal is a writer, poet, TV and film producer, founder of the Manchester Poetry Festival, now the Literature Festival, and co-founder of the Nottingham Poetry Festival. Um, Henry's got an amazing life, actually. He, he co-created and co-wrote the first series of The Royal Family. He also co-wrote The Mrs Merton Show, The Paul and Pauline Calf Video Diaries, Coogan's Run, and just a whole bunch of TV stuff. It's just absolutely amazing. He set up Baby Cow Productions in 1999, and he was the executive producer on all scripts um, that were edited there. I mean, it's just an incredible um, career, but as a poet, he's just absolutely fantastic. So I really, um, uh, yeah, I really recommend this one. So that's The Fire Hills. They are poems written between December 2021 and November 2022, reflecting the first year of the author's move to Fairlight in East Sussex, that's Hastings, um, just, uh, yeah, just outside Hastings. Um, and obviously, as you know, I, I love Hastings and anything Hastings related. So that's a beautiful collection of poems. Go and get that. Next on my pile. Now, this just arrived. So it's going to be my next read, but it's got a beautiful cover. And it's White Ghosts by Katie Hale. And it's coming to you from Nine Arches Press. And uh, the blurb reads, White Ghosts, the debut collection by poet and novelist Katie Hale traces maternal lines and the legacies of slavery and whiteness interwoven into the fabric of America. 
though revealing through through revealing and unflinching poems, travelling deep into an intimate history that spans both sides of the Atlantic, hail and ravels the language, haunting those narratives we choose to tell in official versions, through museum labels and civic statues, and in handed down stories. I mean, it just looks amazing. And the, the cover, the artwork's beautiful. And then she's got fantastic, um, fantastic, um, uh, what's it called? Blurbs? Um, from poets like Malika Booker and Kim Moore and Andrew McMillan. So she's got a big thumbs up as well. So I'm looking forward to diving into that. So look out for that, White Ghost by Katie Hale. I think it just came out this week, um, but that's definitely going to be one of my weekend reads. Next on my pile, I've got Mary Oliver here, um, Blue Horses. I don't know if you've read this one, but I just find it so... I really like Mary Oliver's poetry. You'll see uh, a lot of people share her poetry on um, the internet, don't they? But I, I, I've I, just come to her and just, found, just find her stuff very gentle and kind. Um, and, and Blue Horses asks what it truly means to belong to this world and to live in its in it attuned to all its changes to be human she shows us is to sing your own song so that's a gorgeous book check it out blue horses um mary oliver and that's published by corsair next on my pile oh yes you know i was telling you um i was oh i was at the king's place doing the gig for elish shafak and all the lovely authors and i ran into my friend dean atta so i thought i'd give dean atta a shout out his latest book there is Still love here. There is still love here. Dean Atta. Check it out. As I, There's a quote from me right on the front cover. A poet of the finest order, a most tender, passionate and powerful voice, a light in the 21st century. He truly is. And I absolutely love this, this collection. So there's a, another recommendation from me in the poetry. Also new in, aha, we've got a new one from Michael Pedersen. And this has got a lovely blue cover with a pink cat on the front. And the writing says, as a boy, I was whiskerless, weighed down by the nest of knots, squat in my belly. As a cat, I was so much more. It's so beautiful. This is Michael Pedersen, The Cat Prince and Other Poems. Um, it's not coming out, actually, until July. So I'm very, very lucky here to have a proof copy and to tell you about it. But um, yeah, look out for it. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous poet. And uh, I know he's doing a ton of gigs with his partner, Holly McNish. So you'll be able to see them, I'm sure, at lots of festivals and events up and down the country. OK, I'm going to move into novels now. Let me see. Top of the pile. I've just started reading this. It's called I Laugh Me Broken. Uh, sorry, I Laugh Me Broken. I Laugh Me Broken. I love that title. I Laugh Me Broken. I just started reading it in bed last night. It's by Bridget Van Der Zip. And it's been published by Gallic. And uh, the blurb goes like this. For the first time in my life, I believed I was really thinking about self-sacrifice. Wasn't the most noble act, the greater love, not to tell him, not to force his obligation. I Laugh Me Broken is a sharply drawn, fearless novel exploring the human condition, the inescapability of the past and the choices that are ours to make. I was just so, I just really liked it. You know when you pick up a book and you're like, mm, yeah, I like this voice in my head. That's what this one felt like. As soon as I started reading it, I liked the the narrator. I liked the, 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 the feeling in my brain of the story I was being told. So I really recommend that too. 
Let's have a look. What's next? Ahaha, Devil's Breath. Now, I haven't got round to this yet. It's not out for ages, but I know I'm going to love it. It's not published until July the 6th, um, when it will be available in hardback, ebook, and audio. Devil's Breath by Jill Johnson. I just absolutely love it. The cover here is amazing. It's like a dark garden, and it says in big letters, Revenge is the sweetest poison. Devil's Breath. And uh, it goes like this, devil's breath. I've always been better with plants than people. Um, Professor Eustacia Rose lives alone in London with only her extensive collection of poisonous plants for company. Her life is quiet. Her schedule never changes until the day she hears a scream and the temptation to investigate becomes irresistible. Through her telescope, she becomes drawn into her, the life of her mesmerising neighbour, Simone. But when Eustacia's garden is vandalised and someone close to Simone is murdered with a toxin derived from a rare poisonous plant, she finds herself implicated in the crime. After all, no one knows toxic plants like she does. I just know I'm going to love this book. I'm a big fan of Jill Johnson too. I just really love this. It's black and white publishing. And yeah, I mean, look at this. I'm, I'm, I'm flicking through the book as I'm, as I'm recording. And it's just, yeah, honestly, that's going to be a gorgeous afternoon reading that. Look out for that. Um, Devil's Breath by Jill Johnson. Okay, so I'll be talking more about that once I've read it. But I just thought I'd give you a heads up. Oh, this spoken word by Dr. Joshua Bennett. The story of how performance poetry changed the world. It's a must read from Roger Robinson. Galvanising by Luke Kennard. Magnificent by Cornell West. So, yeah, it comes highly recommended. It's the powerful story of an art form that has transformed the cultural landscape by one of its most influential practitioners, an award-winning poet, professor and slam champion. In 2009, at only 20 years old, Joshua Bennett was invited to recite a poem for President Barack Obama and the first Michelle Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama at the White House's Evening of Poetry, Music and the Spoken Word. Spike Lee and Saul Williams were in the audience and it turned out to be the very same event when Lin-Manuel Miranda first performed a work in progress that revolutionised musical theatre, Hamilton. Blending memoir and literary analysis, Bennett shows how a handful of visionaries altered modern culture. With passion, wit, uh, with passion and wit, he charts the history of spoken word poetry as well as his coming-of-age journey as a writer. It just looks absolutely fantastic, this book. I'm not going to read any more blurb. I'm going to let you go and find it. It's Dr. Joshua Bennett. And it's just a gorgeous, great big fat book about how we all got here and who who were the leaders and who were the trailblazers. And I think it's so important to keep that story alive. And um, yeah, so that's a beautiful book. Spoken Word, the story of how performance poetry changed the world. And indeed it did. And indeed it still does. Okay, now for something completely different. This arrived. It's so beautiful. It's a big turquoise book and it's called Ada's Realm. And it's by Sharon, Do uh, Sharon Dodua Otu. And it's one woman, four centuries, and a multitude of lives. Where is Ada? In a small village in West Africa, Ada gives birth again, and again the baby does not live. As she grieves the loss of her child, Portuguese traders become the first white men to descend on the village, an event that will bear terrible repercussions 
for Ada and her kin. This kaleidoscope debut paints an astonishing picture of femininity and resilience with deep empathy and humour. It's been translated from the German uh, by uh, John Show Polisi. Anyway, this is coming soon, and I've got an uncorrected proof here, but it says it's an unmissable debut for 2023. It looks absolutely stunning, and I know I'm just going to really, I, I really enjoy um, a book that's a, that's a, that's a many, many layers and many histories and many times, and I think this book's going to do that for me. That I, li I like that in a book. I like layers in a book, and I think this book very much looks like that. So Ada's Realm, look out for that. Oh, and it's published 13th of April, so not long. Okay, so look out for that. Oh, pile of books, more to come, more books, more books, more books. Okay, this is a, this is a book that's on my, t on my t to read pile. This is Gary Young, um, From Nelson Mandela to Black Lives Matter, Dispatches from the Diaspora. diaspora. And it just looks absolutely amazing. I mean, look at this. It's just gorgeous. I love it. I'm flicking through it as I'm talking to you. Um, so this book, in 1994, Gary Young followed Nelson Mandela through South Africa's townships to cover the country's first democratic elections. It was the beginning of an illustrious career in journalism, with, which gave him a ringside seat during the biggest events and with the most significant personalities to impact the black diaspora. Young has joined revelers in Chicago on the night of Obama's victory, got drunk with Maya Angelou in her limousine and talked politics with Stormzy. He has witnessed how much change is possible and the power of systems to thwart those aspirations. Dispatches from the diaspora collects together his work from his incredible, hope-filled and sometimes painful journey. Okay, so this book just came out on the 16th of March, 2023. Um, he says, I am by nature an optimist, but I'm not delusional. More than two decades reporting from the front line of the black diaspora. It's clear that while we are not where we were, we are not close to where we need to be. Amen to that. Okay, so make sure you go and get a copy of that. It looks absolutely fantastic. Okay, look, so many beautiful books. So many beautiful books and so little time. Okay, so this one, this one, look at this. This is beautiful. We have a lovely blue cover with a big pink flower on it, roses with a bee, and this looks really good. The title of this book is The Middle Daughter by Chika Unique Unique And uh, Ali Smith, right on the front. Ali Smith, this will leave you haunted. Ooh, okay. Well, that's right up my street. And uh, Bernadine Evaristo says... She fleshes out the stories of those who offer themselves as meat for sale and bestows dignity on those who are stripped of it. Okay, so this book's coming out on the 6th of April. It's called The Middle Daughter. When Nanny is only 17, she loses her beloved sister and father. Misunderstood by the rest of her family, she is beguiled by an itinerant preacher, a handsome, self-proclaimed man of God, who seems to offer all the answers, but instead of building a better future with him, Nanny is forced too soon into a challenging womanhood with an oppressive husband. Will she find the courage to take charge of her own life and seek true happiness? And at what cost? Wow. Well, this is a Canongate book and it's coming out, yeah, just a couple of weeks on the 6th of April. Looks fantastic. 
And moving on, the next book that I want to tell you about is Mr. Mr. by Guy Gunaratne. I really love Guy's writing here. And this is a new book, uh, Mr. Mr. and it's coming out in May 2023. So make sure you get your pre-orders in. Pre-orders really matter, by the way, because um, it just really sort of, sort of gets the buzz going and gets people talking about books. So and gets it, you know, it just helps an author out. So if you can pre-order, pre-order Mr. Mister by Guy Gunaratne. So Guy is um, the author of In Our Mad and Furious City, which won the International Dylan Thomas Prize, the Thalak Prize and the Authors Club First Novelers Award as well as being shortlisted for the Goldsmith and the Gordon Byrne and longlisted for the Orwell Prize and the Booker. Um, he's a trustee, they are a trustee on the board of English Pen and have been a judge for the Goldsmith Prize and the Folio Prize. So, I mean, amazing. I mean, check that all out. That's a lot. That's a lot. So we're expecting big things, but not but but not at all disappointed. Guy is such a fantastic writer and weaves such a great tale. Um, it's a raucous, tender and exuberantly imaginative book. This novel is a response to a largely undocumented period and perspective in our recent history. It's the story of a boy who watched 9-11 on his sofa with his uncle as a child and how that experience shaped him. It's the story of a son's quest for a father he has never met and of a more hopeful way of life glimpsed in the shadow of a war. It's the story of how a child that East Ham made grew up to be the unwitting voice of a generation and to reject what the tabloids and the authorities tell him he is. It's an extraordinary book and I really, really urge you to go and check it out. It's out. It's coming out in May, as I said, and that's with Tinder Press. You'll find these books and, and many, many more books over on bookshop.org where I've been... Um, been quite diligent actually at keeping a record of the books that we talk about on the show and the and um and the books that we're sharing and hopefully we'll have some of these authors on as guests are so very very welcome to come and join us and come and chat about books and read from books um what do i have coming up next well coming up next i'm very excited to say my next um geek for me personally is i'm going to france and i'm very excited about that i'm going to leon to um to speak um at a conference there so i'm very excited about that and i'm just sort of getting my head around that as, as i said it's very strange for me going going back into um gigging mode after all this time of being so hibernating and hiding at home so i'm um, heading off to leon to do a gig as part of um, the ens ENS, uh, part of the big university there and it's a free event and you can find out more i'll be tweeting it and stuff. If you know anyone in Leon, tell them to come and meet me for a beer and come and hear some Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death and Pessimism is for Lightweights. Closer to home, um, I'm doing a gig here in London. Book Slam's back. There are some there are some events which are just established London beautiful events. And Book Slam is right up at the top there. I've always loved doing Book Slam events. I'm so excited that they're back. So I'm doing a gig for them on the 13th of April at Hanbury Hall in Spitalfields, where Charles Dickens once lectured, once lectured. So it's a beautiful old building, and I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm going to be doing a gig with uh, Diana Evans um, and who else? And I'm going to be doing a gig with 
Stephen Burrow, and there's going to be a whole bunch of us. There's going to be music. If you go on the internet and interwebs and look up Bookstagram, you can see that they're returning with some amazing gigs. Um, so make sure you catch those. It's always such a good vibe to be back at Bookslam. Welcome back, Bookslam. And I'm going to end this uh, little section with a poem from Rishi Dastidar. He's going to be sharing a poem from Neptune's Projects, a new book which is coming out on Nine Arches Press. It's a paperback original. Um, it's a fantastic collection. Um, I'm just doing, just but just sort of been dipping in it this morning. Um, here's the here's a bit of the premise. What do you do when you are a god, but powerless and unable to prevent one of your favourite species from their insatiable, accelerating death wish? Do you try to shout louder and more insistently, or instead reinvent yourself as a troubadour of romantic ruin, a post-apocalyptic jig and reel? These poems are compelling deadpan yarns of the sea, full of both fury and fun. In Neptune's projects, the end of humanity is made wry, thrilling and alive. So I want you to look out for that. That's coming out on the 27th of April. And I'm going to leave you with a poem from Rishi Dastadar. Thank you, Roaring Twenties Radio. Bye. Hi, I'm Rishi Dastadar. And this is a poem from my upcoming collection, Neptune's Projects. It's called Feeling Aquamarine. Throughout all of the following, remember that I am a god. 2. I know that does not have much currency these days, but still. 3. Fire! 4. Only joking. 5. But the point is, once I had power, people worshipped me. 6. Because of the rage and torment and vengeance I could summon with just a beat of my heart. 7. And so the puny vessels you put upon my body were utterly at my mercy. 8. How I felt when I got up. 9. Not that I ever slept. When you are nearly all the world, you never rest. 10. If you think I am sleeping, you will be sleeping too. 11. And forever is a long time, boy, let me tell you. 12. Oh, this scree justified myself to you when, without me, nothing. I was the lad from within which you dragged yourself to shore. And you repay a godfather like this? 13. Having me choke on a vortex of plastic ducks somewhere in the Pacific. 14. You bastards. Even the sharks never did that to me. 15. You didn't hear it? That was an anchor slipping, a mast snapping, an island sinking. 16. I am only capricious if you think I am capricious. 17. I bet you don't fancy your chances of finding out. 18. Sing me a sea shanty, sing me to shore, sing me to rise from the depths, sing me into your body where I will rouse you to the restlessness you know has always been there. 19. The tide is the best lullaby, the moon my best invention. 20. Don't call me Poseidon. I hate that. That was Selena's wonderful book roundup, as usual. The wonderful Selena, her book 
Pessimism for Lightweights, the hardback edition is out now. I think it's been out, it came out last week or the week before. And so that's in bookshops now. It has a wonderful window and foils. If you're walking down Charing Cross Road, you can have a look at that. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you to the wonderful Dark Horses for coming and joining me in the studio here in Soho. And thank you so much, Matt, for your poetry roundup, ever enlightening. I don't think there's anyone else doing a roundup or a collection of what's happening in spoken word, quite like what Matt does for us every month. So that's amazing. And then we thank you, Selena, for your, you know, wonderful charm and amazing book roundup. Uh, we'll be back next month on Soho Radio. You can find us, as usual, Roaring Twenties, and that's Twenties, the number, 20S. Uh, Roaring Twenties Radio on Instagram and on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and you can ask your smart speaker, which I don't have a smart speaker, but I know that you can ask it and it will play us. Um, so, uh, yeah, just ask your smart speaker for Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. And thanks so much for joining us. We love that you love and listen. So join us next time. <laughs>